Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness, where we will be sharing insights into the world of mental health and wellness as we explore traditional medicine and holistic healing options. It's time to have new conversations about mental health. Join Mara James, the founder and CEO of the Hugs for Life Healing Center, as she guides us along this journey. And now, let's talk wellness. Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I am your host, Mara James, and today I'm excited to introduce you to a friend, Tanya Bhattacharya. She's the founder of Lumos Marketing and is especially passionate about dismantling imposter syndrome and other self-limiting beliefs. Hi, Mara. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. You too. So excited. I always love uh, speaking with you, working with you. So of course, my first question is, what is imposter syndrome? That's a good question. That's a good question. So I think more than anything, imposter syndrome, if I had to put it in one word, imposter syndrome is fear, right? It's false evidence appearing real, but it's not a fear of failure per se, right? It's, it's, it's more of a fear of being discovered or found out um, that at any point the shoe is going to drop and someone's going to figure, figure out that you never belonged there in the first place, right? Whether you're a nonprofit executive director, whether you're a successful business owner, whatever, however you show up in the world, imposter syndrome is that little tiny voice. I'd like to call it your itty bitty shitty committee, you know, <laughs> telling you that you don't belong. And it's, it's feeling out of your element yet. You're already entrenched in the situation. So you're in it, babe. And you just kind of keep it moving as the fraud that you are. And it's especially interesting. I think one of the most interesting things about it is that it's actually high achievers who have imposter syndrome. There's usually like a mountain of accolades and evidence of your success. And you can look at pages and pages of compliments and kudos, but you just can't um, absorb it for what it is. Right. And so, um, the other thing I'll say about it is it's insidious and we don't even realize that we have it sometimes because, you know, as you know, I work with women to help them build their personal brand, gain influence, drive change and teaching strategy is one thing, right? You can pick up a book and learn enough to be on your way. But I think what really holds a lot of us back is is our self-limiting beliefs and that imposter syndrome that tells us that we actually aren't meant to be leaders or, or no, we're not experts. You don't call me an expert, right? It's the thing that makes us say, oh, I could never put myself out there because what would people think? What would people say? But I have found that when we are purpose-driven and committing to changing the world in our corner of it, it's not fair to stay quiet and hidden and silent because by doing so and giving in to that imposter syndrome or imposter phenomena, we are leaving transformational opportunities on the table by not being visible to the people who can help us fulfill our mission, right? And help more people. And you almost brought me to a TR because so hold on. Because <laughs> um, you know, I've been through my healing journey. So I was like the successful businesswoman, whatever that means. And then I experienced a manic episode seven years ago. I was thrown into a tizzy, um, brought down to the ground, below the ground, working on healing my inner child and healing, healing, healing. And then it wasn't until recently that um, between you and a couple of other people, I realized like, wow, 
um, it's time that I put on my big girl shoes and fulfill my soul's mission, do what I'm here to do. And, um, you know, believe in myself because others believe in me. And it's really putting that ego aside. There's no ego when you're doing, you know, universal work. So very powerful. And I've experienced it myself. Um, and a lot of it. So where do you think that voice comes from? I mean, for me, I'm always like, oh, it's all about the inner child and knowing the inner child. What do you think? I think that's a lot of it. I think there's a lot of places it comes from. And it starts in our early years. It starts with family influences sometimes. Maybe you were the A plus student and you felt like you had to keep keep it going to 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 continue proving yourself. Or maybe you weren't the A plus student, but you had a brother or a sister or a sibling who was, and you felt like a fraud because you couldn't keep up with that person, right? And I think also it's society. It's not just our internal, it's not just our little family unit, it's society that tells us, you know, when you look, when you look at government, when you look at the highest offices of the land, when you look at, you know, Fortune 500 companies and you see how many people who look like us, who are leading those companies, it's very few and far between. And so of course, we're gonna feel like we don't belong when we make it to the table, when we make it to the top of our business, because we don't, we can't always be what we can't see. And so I think a big part of changing this dilemma and changing this dynamic is ensuring that more women are in positions of power, positions of leadership, and are fully visible in doing that. Because one thing to run your company and be behind the scenes and be in the trenches, and that's all good. But I think we have a almost like a responsibility to show up as the leaders that we are so we can inspire the next generation of young women or, or you know, any marginalized group who are growing up and just don't see a lot of people who look like them in positions of power and influence. Wow. And so what made you explore this um, in your business? You know, so as you know, I worked in the addiction treatment field for a long time. I was in that space for 12 years. And during that time, I would do a lot of storytelling work. I was a fundraiser, I was a marketer. Um, and so I would sit with our patients and learn about their stories. And those who wanted to share testimonials, I would, I would help make that happen. But as a result of that whole process, I got to know I've kind of spent my proverbial 10,000 hours. You know, they say that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. And I've spent my 10,000 hours in storytelling, especially telling women's stories, helping them craft their narrative. And I found that, you know, like 10 times out of 10, when I would ask them to tell me about their life, it was always rooted in that like negativity, that like shame, that guilt, that I'm a horrible mom, that, oh, I'm just an addict, you know, um, all of that just negativity that they were really rooted in too. So of course that was going to be the first thing that would come out of their mouth. Right. And when we were done crafting their narrative, um, we instead were able to rewrite their story from that positive, powerful perspective where it was, they were talking about their courageous decision to get sober. They were talking about the fact that they were breaking the generational cycles and generational curses that existed in their families. Um, you know, it was just a different story is what I'm trying to say. And it was one that was rooted in resilience and they were able to relate to themselves differently as a result. So that like that, that feeling like of less than those self-living beliefs, they were starting to break through them. Right. And 
they were able to advocate for themselves better, like with their CPS caseworkers, they were able to get jobs more effectively and really talk about their journey in a different way. They were able to inspire other women who were in the process of getting sober. It was a really neat, amazing and powerful thing. Um, and then I kind of saw a parallel between those women and a lot of the peers that I knew in the nonprofit world and otherwise people who are starting their own businesses, um, folks who are running, running organizations, they too had a story that was more so rooted in all the things that was wrong with them. And that's in quotes, right? Cause nothing's wrong. Nothing was wrong with them, but all of the stories that they had about, um, all of their lack, right? They came from a lack mentality. And so I, I knew that if we were able to change their stories about themselves, everything would change as a result. They'd be able to raise more money. They'd be able to um, get more referrals and really talk about their work more clearly. They would be able to recruit a community of people like donors and volunteers who are passionate about their work just by showing up and talking about their passion in a different way. And so, um, what was the question? <laughs> um, just what made you explore this in your business? Yeah, yeah. So this, I mean, I saw it. I saw it firsthand. I, I think, like I said before, um, this uh, this work of branding and thought leadership and visibility—it's not rocket science per se. Anybody can pick up a book and learn about it. But again, I think imposter syndrome or or this feeling of not enoughness is what stops us from doing all of these magical things. So that's why I decided to explore it in my business. Right. And I got to see the benefits of when people got to work through that. I mean, people, we know that people follow the leaders that they know, like, and trust, you know, people will show up and roll up their sleeves and help them make shift happen. Right. They'll donate. They will share their time, talent, and treasure. They will connect them with the right people. And so if we show up as the trusted experts, we are, we are going to get these amazing opportunities and change the world as a result. So digging a little deeper into you, did you ever um, experience this and, and have to break through? Yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so I became a nonprofit executive director at the age, the ripe age of 30. And you can imagine, and, it, and this is changing, right? This is changing. But just a lot of the folks that I surrounded myself around and a lot of the tables that I was at, I was really the only person who, who looked like me. And this came from a variety of ways, right? I was a fundraiser. And so I would be around a lot of people with really amazing, you know, like really affluent people in wealth who are used to navigating these spaces of power and influence, whether I was walking into a foundation office or walking into um, another space that was just really different from how I had grown up, right? Or maybe I was hanging out in the medical community because, um, you know, I worked for an addiction treatment center. I worked for a, a company called New Directions for Women here in Orange County. And so I was hanging out with a lot of MDs and LMFTs and LCSWs and like all of the letters, you know, I would get business cards from people where there were so many letters next to their name and I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have any. And so all of those things combined made me wonder, like, do I have what it takes, right? Do I have the chops to do this? Um, and so it really took doing the work of going deep and figuring out how to dismantle imposter syndrome and what that might look like 
to to be successful, right? At raising money, at keeping our beds full, at doing all of those things. Because when we're stuck in that feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough, that's going to be the truth, right? Like what you tell yourself is the truth. Um, and you're not helping your clients that you're serving. Yes. So yes. I'm sorry to keep digging deeper, but so no. what, when you say, so how did you dig deep with you? Did you do it yourself? Did you work with somebody, um, therapist, healer, uh, self-help books? Yeah, all of the above, right? All of the above. Let me think about, there was a book that I read. A couple of things that I read were really impactful. So one was, I think I might have it here. Um, it's somewhere here in my desk and it's called the, the, the Secrets of Successful Women, something like that. And it's all about imposter syndrome. And really it talked about the fact that many of us have it, probably all of us have it. And so if you look at someone who looks totally confident and in control and like fully, fully um, doing the do, like they probably have a couple of imposter thoughts going through their head too. And so that was actually helpful because I realized that I wasn't the only one. Um, and I think that's really important because when we're in this space, it's like a space of isolation. We feel like we're the only ones, but as I grew my community, as I grew my campfire circle, as I like to say, as I, as I got mentors, as I really started having deeper relationships and conversations with people who were five, six, seven, eight steps ahead of me, I realized that we all kind of battle with these thoughts and that the trick is to not let it get in the driver's seat, right? Like the voice will maybe never go away. The voice will, will always kind of be there. And the thing that I've realized too, is that voice, that itty bitty shitty committee, all it's trying to do is protect us. It's like our chaperone. It's like our chaperone. Cause it's just trying to make sure that we don't get hurt or that we don't, um, you know, spread our wings too too wide and try to take on too much and then fail. But we're grown, right? We're grown. So we don't have to listen to that voice anymore. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, I think shadow work is a really powerful tool here and looking at all of the, all of the, all of the, all of the stories, all of the stories that we have in our heads that have been repeating right since we were since we were little i think and actually i think this is a secret magic sauce for any entrepreneur for any nonprofit founder executive director anyone who's like really doing just this change making work i think you've got to do the work and it's not the excel spreadsheets and the outlook calendar and the copy chats it's like the mindset work the deep shadow work that nobody wants to do i think that's really important so is shadow work similar to like healing the inner child work yeah. I, yes. I would say so. I think I would consider the shadow to be like all of the parts of you that you don't like, that you hide away, that you pretend doesn't exist. And I think it comes out really fast when you become um, an entrepreneur or, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a word so I don't keep saying all of these different titles. Like when you become, let's say change maker. And when I say change maker, I just talk, I'm talking about anyone who is, you know, uh, purpose-driven and creating change in the world, whether you're an entrepreneur nonprofit founder social impact, like, philanthropist. Um, so when you become a change maker, you're holding a big container for your donors, for your clients, for the audience you're growing. And it can start to wreak havoc on you as you grow this, this audience. And it can show up in a lot of ways. And for me, some of the ways it showed up was like people pleasing, making decisions based on fear, like maybe deeply discounting your rates when actually in retrospect, it's harmful to do those kinds of things because your client's not going to be invested. 
or it can be harmful to say yes to everything because you spread yourself too thin and then you can't actually deliver the work in the way that you want to. And so you've got to do the work. And, and one thing in particular, I've done a lot of things, but one thing in particular that I like to talk about and that comes up for me is doing this program called Pivot. Um, I had a coach, Rosemary, who I knew from my, my work in mental health. Um, and we talked about survival patterns. And so growing up, you know, my parents would have high expectations academically. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And like an A was acceptable, A minus, not so much. Like that wasn't, that wasn't going to hit the mark. And so Rosemary would ask me what would happen if I didn't meet the grade or the expectation, like what would it look like to be, to disappoint? And I couldn't answer that because that didn't really happen. Like I didn't, that wasn't something that happened. And so she said something that I remember, which was, oh, so you don't have the muscle memory of failing, right? You don't know what it's like to, to not hit the mark. And I think that sometimes you have to practice doing that because otherwise, because otherwise you just don't even know what that's going to be like. And so like, I, you know, my tendency to over-prepare and hyper-prepare and, and try to get all the things right. It's very cozy. It's very convenient. And that's what she calls a survival pattern, but it's not actually serving me in the long run. And it's not serving my clients. It's not serving the people I'm trying to help. Um, and so you have to exhausting. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. And you have to let that go when you're a change maker, you have to be, you have to fail sometimes. And because if you're not failing, you're not really getting uncomfortable or taking any risk at all. And so, and that's not great either. So you have to work on those kinds of things. You have to go, go inward. Yes, absolutely. That's uh, and of course I'm sitting here thinking about my past and what made me such a go-getter because my mom was not, and maybe it was my dad thinking that my shit didn't stink. And then, you know, just going in the business world and being the only woman at the table and just, you know, having these ideas. I'm like, where'd that come from? And then again, experiencing my manic episode being thrown down to the ground, like this little girl that was powerless and nothing and working my way into a Believing, you know, the power of me. I like that. The power of me, you know, yeah. being my authentic self. Um, so what I would really like to discuss after we take a break, also, in addition to all this amazing, juicy stuff, is the imposter syndrome as a parent. Is that something you're open to talking about? Well, I don't have children. I just have Gary. So I don't know if I could, if I could really speak to that. Okay, that's okay. And Gary is um, your gorgeous gray dog that I am obsessed with. And I see these pictures with the pink tongue and it's just brings so much love and light. Um, well, we will interview you in a few years if and when we have children because so much of what I'm working on like that imposter syndrome and you know, you're not taught like how to be a good parent or you know, we, we were taught by the ones that raised us and God, that's the last thing we wanna be like and we resent them and become like that. Um, okay, cool. So we'll just keep it more here and um, talking more about like tips you have around wellness for entrepreneurs and um, awesome. So everybody hold on, all of our friends out there and we'll be right back. In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, 
is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, and reach out for help. Through prevention, early intervention, and holistic treatment, we believe many of the big problems facing today's youth can be transformed within a generation. Extraordinary Lives Foundation is excited to offer the Hugs for Life Healing Center, growing a worldwide network of approved holistic healers and bridging the gap between traditional and complementary healing options. Visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast. And if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James, and today we have Tanya Bhattacharya. She's the founder of Lumos Marketing and is especially passionate about dismantling imposter syndrome and other limiting beliefs. Great to be back. Let's keep chatting. Yes, absolutely. This is getting juicy. So many questions. Where do I begin? Okay, (laughs) let's start with So how how does one go about building a strong support system and why is it important? This is so important. I love this question. This is something that I think about a lot because um, change-making can be a little bit of a lonely place, especially when you're first getting it off the ground, right? And so you need to have an innermost circle, right? And some people call this their personal board of directors. Some pe- I like to call it my campfire circle. Some people call it their squad, their A-team. There's so many names for it, but whatever it is, I think that every change maker needs to have one because this is like a sacred community that offers perspective and a sounding board to support you, right? Because people, okay, so I just want to talk a little bit, a little bit of a tangent, and then I'll get back to this. So people talk about getting a seat at the table. But I have always felt that the boardroom table is not really, I don't really want to sit there. Like it's stuffy. There's only so many seats. It's, you know, the people who are at the table, who built the table, get to decide who gets to be there. They decide how they're going to let other people in. And so uh, that's why I love calling my community, my campfire circle, because it can, can grow as big as it needs to be. There's always room. And think about it. That's where we show up to share stories, to huddle together for warmth in community. I mean, to me, that is really where I define the space of leadership to be, right? Okay. So here's an example or a story of my campfire circle in action. So I ruffled some feathers once. Um, I posted support for, I guess, a controversial women's healthcare organization on LinkedIn. You might be able to guess which one. Um, You know, I showed up to one of their events, posted a picture of me there and support. And one of our donors at the time for the organization I worked for announced that she would no longer be supporting our organization because of my post. 
Um, it challenged her beliefs, etc. And so I, I panicked a little bit and I was frustrated at a deeper level because what I believed in was being challenged. So I wasn't in really a good place to respond. So without knowing what I was really doing at the time, I started calling people who I now know were in my campfire circle. One is like really spiritually grounded, talked me through my ego response that I was having. Another one is a little bit more conservative and offered a different viewpoint than my own. Another one is kind of an elder, like an elder mentor who has seen her share of conflict. And all of this combined feedback from different angles and perspectives really gave me a well-rounded um, landing cushion for me to then take my next step. And so, you know, I mean, a personal board of directors is, is so key, you know, cause you may, and, and so one of the obstacles that I know comes up is that many people have grown up internalizing messages that the only person that they can trust is themselves. But when you intentionally build this mentorship circle, this campfire circle with intention and in a spirit of abundance, you start to become comfortable not having all the answers because you know how to find them when the right questions are asked. And I think that's so key because as leaders, sometimes we might feel like we have to have all the answers, but we don't, we never did. We just, we just maybe need to know where to go to get them. And that's, and that's great. Another thing that comes up, another obstacle that people have kind of shared with me is, oh, I don't want to bother anyone with my problems. But what I found is that it's actually such a gift and an honor to the people that you're asking for support because they then know that you trust them implicitly. They then know that you honor their feedback and their, their wisdom, right? So the third thing, I'll, the last thing I'll share about this is I had a client once who was really blocked in this. I told her, you know, if you're gonna get to the next level, it's really important to have this, this, this circle of this community around you. But she had been burned before by colleagues that she trusted and she really flies alone, right? And so my suggestion to her was to actually bring her ancestors into the circle, right? And to bring in her grandma, her grandpa, and the ancestors who were really cheering her on, knowing that she was really their wildest dreams come true, right? And, and what advice would they have given her when she was stuck and alone and in crisis, you know? And would they have wanted her to be alone, like just sitting there by the fire, or would they have wanted her to have a group of committed allies sitting next to her? So, um, you know, I just think that this is so important. And, and the first step, I think, to building the support network is to think about something that's happening in your life that you don't know how to approach right now. Like it's just kind of stumping you. And then think about, okay, who has the medicine? Who has the lived experience? Who has the knowledge? to share with you. And there's somebody, you know, or that is, you know, six degrees of separation kind of connected to you who can totally get you there. So, um, I just, I think that is so important. That is so profound, of course, because as we have our golf coming up and so excited and, um, you know, on Monday, we're like, Dr. Clayton Chow, the director of the Orange County Healthcare Agency is going to be speaking at our event as a newer nonprofit about the importance of our work and children's mental health and wellness. Wow. And you get those three people with these scathing emails, like, mm -hmm. and then did I make the wrong choice? Da, 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 da. Is it too political? And it was just, and again, knowing that it's their issues and yeah. seeing all the anger that they have and it's not ours. And, and I, you know, of course, speaking to our board members and the lawyer and making sure, should we respond? Should we not? And, 
it's it's bizarre um, how much anger and hatred and jealousy there is in the world that the universe will like throw at us or you know you one and it makes you self doubt yourself. You know, yes. having that, and I love the um, campfire because it's so warm and fuzzy, which is a beautiful, um, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, okay, you know, but that's actually, there's a really interesting point there I want to bring up, which is as you get more visible and as you start doing things in the world, you're going to get haters. Like, and I almost feel like to a certain extent, if you don't have any, maybe you're not pushing the envelope enough. Right. But we have to get really comfortable with knowing that like their need for healing or their need for whatever it is that they're looking for is none of our business. That's their business. Yeah. And yeah, you know, and love them from a distance. Right. Yes. Yes. There's a really cool book. Um, I'm Jewish, but I love it. It was someone gave it to me. Jesus CEO. Ah. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it was really profound. And you know what? When you're, well, hopefully everyone's doing good in the business. When you're not, that's a whole nother thing. But when you're doing the good and you're coming from the heart, it's powerful. It's powerful. And just um, standing in who you are. And I love that idea. Um, You know, some people might think it sounds bizarre. What do you mean speak to my ancestors? Like, I don't understand that. But when I just said something, you know, you kind of hear this voice in your head and I'm like, you know, like, like, oh, wow, like they're there to support. And for me personally, I grew up in a Jewish family where Jewish women, the chopped liver. My grandparents did not care what my mom did with her life. It was about the, her brother. He became the dentist and Sydney would say to Roz, you should do something with your life. And it was just, you know, and then she ended up having emotional mental health challenges. She was diagnosed bipolar and, um, really if they didn't mean it or anything. And um, some intuitive spiritual guide once told me, cause my mom has passed that like, I am here to break that cycle with women with that, you know, just being passive and, and knowing that there's so, you know, just really breaking that cycle is so powerful and knowing that, you know, we're here to do what we're here to do. And, um, you know, putting up the shield when you have to. You know, yeah. get that Wonder Woman shield and Joan of Arc sword and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you let's talk a little deeper about really what that means, um, so, you know, getting a strong support system. Does this mean you're going out and hiring somebody? This means that you're going to look Google friends that maybe you don't have friends. I mean, there are friends that are out there that like, oh, they know nothing about what you're doing. Maybe they're not supportive. Maybe they're jealous. Maybe, you know, yada, 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 the list goes on. So what would you suggest more about this building the support system? Yeah, well, I think there's a way to be strategic about it. And I think this is a strategic project because when, you know, as a nonprofit founder, uh, when we are seeking an actual board and seeking board governance, we are strategic about it. We think, okay, what are our needs? Okay, do we have a, do we have anybody who knows this? Do we know anybody who has that? Do we know anybody who has connections in this area? And so we recruit board members based on the things that we are um, needing and maybe struggling in or don't have as much expertise in. So it's the same kind of thing. And I think you have to get really clear and honest about what is it that you need support on. And it's really okay. I, I used to think I had to be good at everything, right? I used to think, okay, I have to be able to do math really well. And I have to be able to do all this finance stuff really well. And no, I can hire a bookkeeper. I don't need to figure out how to do it all. And so 
figuring out where you where you have opportunities that um, you can give up stuff that's on your plate so that you can really focus on the things that you do really, really well, because you don't have to do it all. And some of those things you will hire like a bookkeeper or a lawyer or um, maybe an, an administrative support person. And then as far as the non-paid stuff, as far as this almost like volunteer personal board that you're building, I think of it as like, okay, who can open the doorway to the rooms that you need to be in, in order to move your mission forward? Um, Who has an audience that is aligned with the audience that you want to build? And maybe they support their audience in a different way, right? And how can you do to something to, how can you two do something together to bring your audiences together and then grow your, grow your reach, right? So I'm not sure. I feel like I might be rambling a little bit. I want to make sure I'm answering your question. Okay, good. Beautiful. Yeah. I think, no, absolutely. Um, So what pops into my mind in in this book I'm writing, um, the V word, vulnerability. Uh, To be able to be vulnerable and putting your ego aside is huge. Because I know for me, I know my strong points. And I know my weak points and I don't have all the answers. And what you said before also about bringing other people and they love to be part of a good cause and to feel like, you know, it's not like a dictatorship, but this leader is able to say it's an, it's not an I, it's a we is so profound. So thank you for bringing that up. That's really important about the, about it's, that's really, really, really important. And I love that you said that. And a note on vulnerability, I think that this is almost the key to everything that we've been talking about, because um, again, it goes back to that, that feeling of needing to know it all, having to have all the answers, being able to like lead a community out of the, the situation they're in, into the light. And you don't have to do it all alone. It really does take a whole movement. And so that's our job is to inspire others to build a movement. So we don't have to do it all. Wow. So blessed to have you. Um, what are some tips that you have for wellness for female mm. entrepreneurs? Yeah. What do I want to say here? There's so many things that come to mind. Okay, so the first <laughs> the list, thing. <laughs> the list goes on. Where do I begin? <laughs> I know, I know. The first thing that popped into my mind, because I think this is a really great tool to combat the spirit of imposter phenomenon too, is to keep a high five file. So keep a outlook folder, a folder on your desktop, like a literal paper folder. When anybody sends you a note to say you did a great job on this, or you get any kind of kudos, stick it in there. And that way, when you're feeling a little bit like, I don't know, I, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I should go for this opportunity. You can flip back through all of these words of affirmation and just having that ready to go, I think can be really helpful as a, as a wellness tip. Cause we all have days where, you know, we are feeling like, uh, should I, am I really meant to do this? And so that, that high five file really helps. Love that. Um, I think, you know, I have a client friend, um, her name is Jillian. She incorporated something called radical rest into her business. So every six to eight weeks, she takes a full week and doesn't do any meetings. She doesn't do, she might do some client work, but really this is a week where she gets to be really creative and rest 
and go paddle boarding and whatever ideas come to her, come to her. And that's really where her best ideas come when she's in a place of rest and fun and play, not when she's in front of her computer trying to like will the ideas to come. So really incorporate play and fun and rest into your work. I think that's key. Um, Can I stick in the uh, meditation word? Yes. It's so important. So important. And this, and that can be many, you can do a walking meditation. You can do an eating meditation, just really savoring each moment and and the present, because you never know what's going to happen next. You have no idea what, what is coming tomorrow and you can't really do anything about it. So just, just live in the present. I love that. that Maybe. Yeah. And there's this saying that when you pray, you speak to God, when you meditate, you hear from God. And if you don't believe from God about, you know, in God, it's all good too. But for me, developing, you know, spirituality, I didn't even believe there was a higher power and yeah. thinking I was doing it all myself. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure on, on my shoulders and the pain, and the, you know, bricks I'm carrying around to yeah. really like knowing like there are people around you. There's an entire universe backing you has been so powerful. And also going to a meeting at 10 and like, I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing? And at eight o'clock, the information you need just magically appears. Mm-hmm. And it's like being in that flow for me has been so powerful. Um, yeah. I mean, that's taken a lot of work, work to get there, of course. <laughs> It takes, yes, a hundred percent. And it's always evolving. I don't think the journey is ever done. There's always more to, there's always more that we can grow into mm-hmm. and, and knowing that, right. There's no end point. There's no finish line it, yeah. right now is the, this is it. This is the work. The journey yeah. is the work. Oh yeah. No, like this. Yeah. It's like when you're dancing, you're not dancing to get to the other side of the floor you're dancing to enjoy it and have fun and go with the flow and enjoy you know enjoy the ride yeah awesome awesome um did you have any stories you wanted to share with us before i get into how do we contact you and all that good stuff sure gosh i have so many stories i mean one of the things that pops right into my mind because it's so recent is i worked with somebody just two days ago over the weekend um she developed a really incredible technology tool um, that helps people get placed from emergency like the um, emergency rooms and hospitals. She helps place people who are there for um, addiction disorders into treatment, like within minutes instead of days. And I thought that was so cool. But one of the things that she said when we were finishing up, as I like was closing my computer at the end of the day was thank you for giving me permission to share my story. And I, and I was like, oh my goodness. And that moment was in like burned into my brain because I think that so many of us are walking around waiting for someone to give us permission to talk about ourselves, to toot our own horn a little bit, to let people know what we're up to. And we don't need permission. We don't need permission. It's kind of like when we were in elementary school, we needed permission to go to the bathroom. Like we had to raise our hand to get the hall pass. But now we're, but when you're growing, when you're in college, when you're in high school, you don't have to ask for permission. You just go. And so it's kind of like, we are grown. Like we are past that phase where we don't need to ask for permission anymore. We get to just do it. We get to just do it. And of course, you know, that brings up personally with me when we were working together, I'm like, Tanya, I'm having a really big problem here. And my dad, who just passed at 99, was a narcissist. And I have a really hard time, like, I, 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 me, 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 and all that stuff. And that's where, you know, first of all, when you get nervous, focus on service and removing the I to the we and knowing that 
And that was beautiful how you helped me with my first post moving away from that. Mm. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think that's really important. I think that's at the heart of this work is that we don't show up because we feel like it's selfish or Mm. we don't want people to think that we're trying to be a celebrity. But I think this work is about being a, not about being a celebrity. It's about being a celebrant of the work that we do. And by having a little bit of the limelight on us, we then that, that light gets to shine on our mission and people get to learn how they can help us move our mission forward. And that's what it's all about. It's a community we serve. Absolutely. And with our mission, supporting children's mental health and wellness, to me, what's more important right now. And the fact that you, this little butterfly flew into my life. And as soon as, as soon as Susan told me about you, I knew that we were destined to meet. And I dreaded and also look forward to that day, which wasn't that long ago, um, weeks, maybe a month. Um, and so I just want to personally thank you for helping to empower me to step into my big girl shoes because we just had our comedy gala a few weeks ago and whoever that was up there on stage would never have gone up and asked for money and, you know, asking people to dig deep into their hearts and their souls and their pockets. And I just wouldn't have done it. And now I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. You know, when it's like a collective and what these children need and what we could bring to them and we have to be their advocates. It's like a public servant. You become this public servant. And um, so, again, thank you for doing that for me. Thank you for doing that for so many amazing women out there. And um, yeah, so what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Oh my goodness. Well, probably the best way to get in touch with me in terms of sending me a message or anything is LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn and you can find me there under my name, Tanya Bhattacharya. Or you could um, go to my website, which is lumosmarketing.co.co, and you can send me a message through there too, and maybe even learn a little bit more about the work I do. And so if you want to explain also, like how I know what we've done together, like tell a little bit about your process. Yeah. So most of the time I do, the main way I work with people is through a VIP day, because I found that people are so, so busy. And to sometimes take a day away from the hustle and grind in the trenches to really focus on going inwards can be really helpful. So during my day, um, we really help build your personal brand foundation and help you figure out how to explain what you do, articulate your value, share your story. And then we actually walk away with content that, you know, delivers your wisdom and your passion and and shows you as a credible expert in your space so that you can just show up on autopilot and let everybody know what amazing work you do to then help the people you serve. Yeah. And again, when you say you do for me, I'm like, it's not a you, it's a we. And I'm talking to somebody who's like you and I'm like, no, it's we, you're in this too. We're, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, we're in it together. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you. I want you and everyone out there watching and listening to always remember that you are amazing. Oh, Mara, thank you so much for having me. You're amazing. And you have built such an incredible organization and a movement. And I can't wait to see hugs for life grow and expand. And I'm just so tickled to know you. Thank you for being you. Ditto. And thank you for being part of it and helping build the blocks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. 
Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.